Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from the flagship station of FCS Nation, Fox Sports, 1450 and 92.7 KGRZ in beautiful and soon-to-be snowy Missoula, Montana. Heard that right, snow in Montana on Saturday. Join me like he always does during the season as a co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. Stone is coming from a place where there ain't no snow, the sunshine state of Florida. A lot of great games last week, Stone. A lot of great games in a short statement. That's all that can be said. Awful lot of games get too short. Time to get there. Let's just get right to the action. Up first, number two from last week, South Dakota State 23, number one, North Dakota State 21. Cannot say I didn't tell you so. How about them Jacks, baby? Figured this game was going to come down to the last possession. It showed us signs of a nail-biter, and boy, did we get that. But Isaiah Davis giving the Bison a taste of their own medicine. I just loved that one play. I believe it was a, what, a 22-yard rush where he was just stumbling, bumbling, rumbling through that Bison defense. He was kind of the heart and soul, and he was the one that led the way for this Jacks team. Mark Gronowski played an efficient game, but and even Cam Miller surprised me. He completed a lot more passes for a lot more yards than two touchdowns, no turnovers. But this game played out exactly how I thought it was. Go Jacks. This was really a tale of two halves here, Stone. The Jackrabbit defense shut out the Bison in the second half and outscored them 16 to nothing. Jacks outgained the Bison 248 to 74 yards in the second half. It's tough to go into Fargo and come out with a W, but that's just what the Jackrabbits did. You mentioned Isaiah Davis. Amar Johnson totaled 90 yards on the ground as well. That's a pretty good tandem for them. Number 20, Idaho 30. Number 3, Montana 23. I was present, and there were a lot of people in Washington Grizzly Stadium who were not pleased. I'm sure they weren't, and I'm sure you guys drank your sorrows away because Jason Eck just walked right into Grizz territory with a huge victory. But really, the MVP of this game was Idaho's defense. When you go ahead and look at Montana's rushing yards, what they did, and who all got touches, nobody got over five carries, and nobody got over 30 yards. There's two guys on this list with negative yards, one at minus 11 and one at minus 19. That's how you win a football game, plain and simple right there. Love Jason Eck. Go ahead and strutting his stuff on social media. Big, big win for the Vandals. Little Brownstein returns to Moscow. And Stone, when you can hold Montana to 220 yards of total offense and pick off Lucas Johnson twice in the fourth quarter, you're going to win a lot of games. Time of possession sometimes means nothing in a football game, right? If you're getting blown out, uh, and it takes the team two plays to score. It takes you ten plays to score. It don't mean a whole bunch, right? Well, mm-hmm. well, in this one, it sure did. The Vandals ate up 42 minutes in the time of possession and earned a signal victory for their program. Number four, Weber State, 42, Portland State, 7. Bronson Barron is efficient. He's a grown-ass man. They handled business like a bunch of grown men that they are, these Mormon guys, 25, 26, 27-year-old. It was a business trip for these guys. Win handled them defense looking stout as always. This Weber team proves more and more to me each and every week. They're serious, Kev. They sure are. Complete domination by Weber State. The Wildcats did whatever they wanted to, whenever they wanted to in this one. Weber State outgained the Vikings 595 yards to 236 yards. Don't look now, but Weber State is 6-0. and Number five, Sacramento State 52, Eastern Washington 28. I think I'm O for my last three upset specials of the week. I just keep giving this one in five Eastern Washington team a chance because of what they're able to do as far as airing that ball out and being able to score fast. And they do score in bunches when they're in rhythm. But Sacramento State, we talked about this Hornet defense all season long. Just keeping Gunnar Talkington in a box for the most part. When you go ahead and look at what he did, he did have an interception. He did have three touchdowns. And it felt like he was running around for his life a lot of the time back there. And Sacramento State's offense, I feel like we talk about them more than we do their defense. But they score so many points. And whoever is that that scoreboard operator is always having a long day when the Hornets are present. And speaking of 6-0 and teams, Sacramento State is that as well. Yes, sir. Hornets jumped out to a 21 to nothing lead. But to their credit, the Eagles came storming back to tie it at 21 with about eight minutes left in the second quarter. And what did Sac State do? They answered. They outscored Eastern Washington 35-7 to the rest of the way. Hornets had 425 total yards, including 385 on the ground, led by 261 yards by Cameron Scadaboo. Number six, Montana State 37, Northern Colorado 14. The return of Tommy Malott, a good one. 
for this Montana State team. But what's interesting to me is Sean Chambers did get a lot of snaps. When you go down and look at the rushing yards for this Montana State team, he had nine rushes for 40 yards and a touchdown. He also threw one. So yeah, Tommy got healthy and they're the one that started the game. And he was the one leading them along the way. Interesting to see what happens later on down the road because they do face a Weber State team coming up next. And I think they're the ones who are going to make it awkward for this quarterback room. But handled business against Northern Colorado, not that hard to do. Wideout Willie Patterson called seven balls for 148 yards and three touchdowns for the Bob, for the Bobcats. And Lane Sumner led the Cats with 130 yards on the ground. Number seven, Jackson State, 48, Bethune-Cookman, eight. God, these guys are just fun to watch. They score, they score fast, and they score a lot. And the one going around social media is the Bethune-Cookman DB just absolutely leveling that Jackson State running back. That was kind of my favorite part of the game. But seriously, Kev, who ain't swack? Dion is swack. Handling business each and every week. Shadur, captain of efficiency, one of the best quarterbacks in the country to watch. And he's even getting some Heisman chatter from some of the national media syndicates, which I love to see personally. This team's really good. I wish they had a chance to go deep and contend with these Bison teams, the South Dakota State, all these teams that we're going to see later on in the postseason. It's unfortunate, but love to see their star players kind of, I guess, making waves and just dominating these smaller teams. Shadir Sanders threw for five touchdowns for the second time this season. And of note in this game was the three safeties recorded by Jackson State, just the fourth time that's ever occurred in FCS football. Number nine, Mercer, 55, East Tennessee State, 33. Kevin Mercer is good. Obviously, that's no secret to anybody, but Fred Payton looks so comfortable and confident back there. Won't say he's a dual threat. Can really, really move his legs nicely. And I think what I mean by that is when you watch this Mercer team plays, get outside those hashes, make the throws down the field, he completes a lot of passes, and he also throws a lot. Almost had 400 yards through the air. We're talking about a five-touchdown day. Typically with the Mercer team, we talk about this defense, but if they can put a 55 on a team that we had ranked inside the top 10 earlier on the season, East Tennessee, they're going to be a problem down the stretch. Hold, hard to hold these Bears back. Well, you mentioned the defense, and the Bears has held its fifth straight opponent to less than 100 yards rushing. And Stone, that's doing something in that run-heavy SoCon that has three of the top 10 rushers in the country playing for Southern Conference schools. And... When you talk about also Ty James and Brandon Marshall, two wide receivers on either side of the ball, each went for over 100 yards receiving for them. And Peyton can really sling it, did throw his first interception, maybe his first poorly thrown ball all season. And that's saying a lot considering it was the sixth game of the year, right? But the Bears, they handled their business. They moved to 5-1, and one, and it sets up a huge game for SoCon Supremacy in Chattanooga, Tennessee this week. Rhode Island, 17, number 11, Elon, 10. Shout out to this Rhode Island coaching staff, the game management, what they were able to do situationally is why they won this game. You know, watching the entire time, you're thinking, okay, Elon's going to claw their way back into this game. Went into halftime with a lead. Rhode Island defense just stepped up in the second half. Matt McKay, 14 to 28. Anytime you complete 50% of your passes, odds are you're not going to win that game. And we saw that play out. Super surprised by the 17-10 score line. But hey, shout out to the Rhode Island. A really strong 4-2 record right now. Here is our top 25 for FCS Nation this week. Number one, South Dakota State. Number two, Sacramento State. Three, Weber State. Dropping to number four, North Dakota State. Number five, Montana State. Number six, Jackson State. Number seven, Chattanooga. Number eight, the Mercer Bears. Rising with a bullet. Number nine, the Idaho Vandals. Number 10, Montana. Number 11 is Holy Cross. 12 is William and Mary. 13, Samford. 14 is Delaware. 15 is Incarnate Word. 16 is SEMO. 17 is Southern Illinois. Number 18, the Richmond Spiders. Number 19, North Dakota. Number 20, Tennessee Martin. 21 is Rhode Island. Falling to number 22 is Elon. Number 23 is Austin P. Number 24 is Campbell. And rounding out the top 25, the Furman Paladins. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.
we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Very pleased to be joined now by Mr. Brian Berger, the Associate AD for Media Relations at Sacramento State. Thanks for being here, sir. Glad to help. I'll tell you, the two-quarterback system, they say, doesn't work for anybody, but it sure works for y'all. Asher O'Hara and Jake Dunaway have been outstanding. How is it working for y'all? Well, first it starts with the two of them. Like Typically, you know, the, the old adage is if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And they've been able to put the egos aside and really embrace the competition between one another, but also be each other's biggest cheerleader. If you at the games, you see them on the sideline when – one does something great. The other one's usually the first one off the sideline to congratulate them when they come to the sideline, you know, when they come to the bench. And last week we had, had a, a very unique situation at Eastern Washington where Asher ran for three touchdowns, Jake threw for three touchdowns, and, it, you know, it resulted in a win. And it, it really starts with the two of them being able to, to embrace that role, knowing they're going to share it. And um, it, it, a lot of places it wouldn't work. And young men, they want to play. They want to be leaders. But it seems like the guys on that team respond equally well to both of them. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is in practice. Our, our first team and second team at every position spot get equal reps. That's just the way practice is run under Coach uh, Taylor. And so they're used to playing with both those guys on the field at all times. And it's not that – um, you know, right now Asher primarily has scored a lot of his touchdowns rushing, and Jake does most of his passing. But they're capable of doing both, and so it's they're not truly one-dimensional quarterbacks in that role. Uh, defenses have to be. Uh, cognizant that each of them can do the other task as well. Jake can run, Asher can pass, and so it keeps defenses on their heels a little bit and and causes the confusion and chaos that they're looking to get from the offense. Well, it also helps to have Cameron Scadaboo back there, doesn't it? No doubt. He's been fantastic to watch, Um, really came on last half of last season, had a couple of big games, and then this year has just been electric. Um, He had a play last week at Eastern Washington that landed him fourth on SportsCenter's top ten plays on Saturday night where he hurled a guy and then ran through somebody else. And he is just a very physical runner that looks for contact, embraces the contact, in fact, and um, has has been fantastic. He's already, you know, back-to-back 100-yard games, 300-yard games this season. He's been very good. What is the biggest difference you've seen since Troy Taylor got to Sac State? Is it practice, preparation, game stuff? What has been the huge difference that he's brought to y'all? You know, I, I think it's probably gameplay um, has been the difference. They've been able to kind of figure out ways to, to get ahead and stay ahead. Um, the preparation from the coaching staff has been meticulous. Practices are very efficient. Um, not a lot of contact in practice, but they, they try to run as many plays as they possibly can in that hour and a half to two-hour window during the week and just try to go through repetition and, and get the guys to, to buy in and but it, it's really confidence. Confidence is, breeds winning. A lot of the times they'll go into games now expecting to win, and that hasn't always been the case in the past. FCS Nation, we're joined by Mr. Brian Berger, the Associate AD for Media Relations from Sacramento State. We've talked about the offense. The defense doesn't get nearly the publicity or the press. Who are some of the guys we should know about on that side of the ball for the Hornets? You know, I think our nickelback, Marte Mapu, is, is the leader of that group. He's, he's been the one that's played the most over the last few years. Um, he's kind of the guy that holds it all together. Sometimes you'll see him line up inside the box as a linebacker. A lot of times you'll see him back in coverage in this league where you're seeing, you know, three, four, five receivers at a time. Um, he is a, a big guy back there, a long frame, very linky, has shown the ability to be a ball hawk and is also can be a punishing tackler. And then after that, it really is kind of a a team concept. We rotate uh, eight defensive linemen regularly in groups of four. Um, They'll basically trade off series. You'll see a lot of those guys come in and out of the game. Um, Our linebackers, brand-new starters this year. We lost an all-conference player last year in Marcus Hawkins, who graduated. And so this group has been brand-new, and um, they're starting to gel a little bit. We had Brock Mather last week had a a pick-six for a touchdown in Eastern Washington, which helped the team get off to a good start. And then the defense, uh, the secondary, is young besides besides Marte Mapu, but they're they're getting better every week, and it's kind of been a a bend-but-don't-break type defense. They give up a lot of yards or have been prone to give up some yards, but they really clamp down inside that red zone and, and make teams have to earn their way in for touchdowns. Your field goal kicker, Kyle Santowski, has been pretty awesome too. 
he really has been amazing. So he had a fantastic year last year, uh, first team all conference. And, and with kickers, you don't always know if that's going to translate from year to year. And, and fortunately for him, he started our, our first game this season, a brand new holder, went uh, 0 for 2 in, the, in that game against Utah Tech. And everyone's like, oh, you know, a little worried about what's going to happen. And they made an adjustment. They swapped out the holders. And he hasn't missed since. Um, he's been fantastic from over 40 yards throughout his career here at Sacramento State. And if you can have an accurate college kicker, it can be a, a huge difference for your program. Huge game this week with the Montana Grizzlies coming to town. What kind of crowd are you expecting? And encourage the people who are listening, if they're Sac State fans, to come out, make that place a really tough place to play. You've got a really great team, and people should pay attention. You know, we've had over 10,000 in our first two home games. We're hoping to be uh, well above that number again this week. Weather should be great. Um, 8 o'clock kickoff, so it's a little bit different here. We're on national television. ESPN2 is coming into town to pick up this game. And so there is a lot of buzz around town, a lot of excitement. Um, and so we're, we're hoping to get people out there and a chance to see this team play and, and, and see what they've been missing. It, it's a fun team to watch, and the offense is one of the highest-scoring ones in the country, currently ranking second in the nation, and you're guaranteed to see some, some electric plays for sure. And a winning team in Sacramento. I mean, you would think Kings fans would be, like, thirsting for that, right? Yeah, I mean, we we root for the Kings as well and, and hoping that they have success. It's great for the city. And um, there's a soccer, professional soccer team in town that has a playoff game the same night. So a lot of good things going on in the scene of Sacramento sports right now and um, all trying to work together and go the right direction. But, yeah, it's been, you know, this win last week – Sixth win of the season last week, start the year 6-0 and for the first time since 1991. A lot of things going down right now that have been unprecedented uh, in Sacramento State football history, especially at the Division One level. And uh, just exciting, three consecutive winning seasons counting this year, and it's something that hasn't happened here in a long time. FCS Nation, that's been Mr. Brian Berger, the Associate AD for Media Relations at Sacramento State. Thanks for making the time, sir. Best of luck this week and the rest of the way. Great. Thanks for having me. Friends, let me tell you about Bitterroot, Rafter 2 Construction, Skid Steer, Backhoe, Portable Welding, specializing in spray foam install, residential and commercial construction of all types. If you need any of those things, get a hold of Bitterroot, Rafter 2 Construction at 406-465-9714. That's Bitterroot, Rafter 2 Construction, 406-465-9714. Hughes River Expeditions. Hughes River Expeditions have been outfitting world-class river rafting and fly fishing vacations on rivers in the West since 1976. The Hughes Crew is what distinguishes Hughes River Expeditions from other outfits to have exceptional river skills and years of experience. Do yourself a favor. Make some of those memories this season. Call Hughes River Expeditions and schedule your trip today. 800-262-1882 or log on to the website HughesRiver.com. The Montana Distillery, 1889, located in beautiful downtown Stevensville, Montana, is the oldest fully functioning distillery in Montana since Prohibition. Stop by the tasting room at 304 Main Street in Stevensville for the Montana Distillery. Great spirits, great cocktails, great atmosphere. That's the Montana Distillery, 304 Main Street in Stevensville, the MTDistillery.com. Craig Cyphers of Exit Realty, his number 406-360-9108. Nobody knows real estate in the Bitterroot Valley better than Craig Cyphers. Been doing business here for a long time. Craig Cyphers and Exit Realty, two names you can trust in real estate in the Bitterroot Valley. That's Craig Cyphers with Exit Realty, 406-360-9108, ExitMT.com. Blaine McElmurray specializes in bringing your dream home to reality. Blaine and his team have been building beautiful custom single-family and multifamily homes since his return from the NFL in 2003. And Blaine hires only the best subcontractors to work on your home. Blaine has competed in the Parade of Homes only two times, but in those two times, he's won six of the eight awards. Give him a call. If you can dream it, he can build it. To see some of his work or for contact information, go to McElmurrayHomes.net. That's M-C-E-L-M-U-R-R-Y Homes.net. Let McElmurray Homes exceed your expectations. Listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Welcome back.
back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Labanowitz and I take a quick trip all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place this week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State is at number 19, North Dakota. Stone, this is the second straight really tough place to play for the Jackrabbits. If you can win back-to-back weeks in the Fargo Dome and then the Alaris Center, man, you've done something. The difference here, I think, will be the defense for South Dakota State. They're number five nationally in scoring defense, while North Dakota is number 75. That does not bode well for the Fighting Hawks. Tommy Schuster in for a very, very long day against this Jacks Rabbit defense that you just hinted at. Seriously, though, I expect South Dakota State to just route these boys. I don't think North Dakota has a lot to offer on offense, which, of course, is just a bad recipe. In my opinion, a recipe for disaster. South Dakota State just light, lighten North Dakota, lighten that state on fire right now and running through their boys. Look, South Dakota State in the past, people have said that when they beat NDSU, it's like their Super Bowl and what happens the rest of the season doesn't really matter. That's been the criticism because South Dakota State's won the game against North Dakota State, but NDSU hoist the trophy in Frisco. I think this is a different sort of Jackrabbits team. Number 10, Montana is at number two, Sacramento State. Huge game here. There's a couple of huge games in the big sky this week. No other way to say it other than this is a huge, huge game for both squads. Biggest key for me will be the Hornets offensive line versus the Montana defensive line. If Sac State and that number three rated rushing attack can run the ball and control the clock, it could be a long day for the Grizz. That Grizz defense is number six against the run, so something's going to have to give here, Stone Labanowitz. Yeah, the the question of the game for me is what is this Montana defense going to do? Are they going to be able to stop this offense? Right, That's the simple question. Nobody this season has been able to do it. I kind of am left scratching my head with that question because I don't necessarily know if they can. I know this defense is really good. If Sacramento State's going to have to air it out, they've shown us that they've been able to do that all season long. The scoreline is something that I'm even questioning myself about like where does this land everything rides on this sacramento state offense versus this montana defense other than that it's no holds bar for these guys number three weaver state is at number five montana state do y'all like streaks and no i'm not talking about a fat naked dude like me running across the field but if you do like streaks man this is your game weaver state has the nation's longest winning streak at eight games and montana state they ain't lost a home game in 16 straight weaver has also won eight in a row on the road defenses are both very good and i get the feeling that whoever plays the cleanest will win this thing should be a really good one Yeah, Weaver State travels really well. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think that's a key component of this matchup. Here's what I'll say, though. I think Weaver State is going to make this quarterback thing a real problem. And I think fans and people who know, you wouldn't call it necessarily quarterback controversy, but it's a game like this that can make things really weird. If they completely shut down Tommy Malott and they have to turn to Sean Chambers, who's tucking and going a lot of the time, and he plays well and they can get over this Weaver State team after Malott, possibly gets benched things get really weird I think Weaver's the team to make it awkward their defense is so stout and when they need to score they can again this is just another awesome matchup that is super super intriguing and speaking of a great matchup and an intriguing football game number 24 Campbell is at number six Jackson State and it'll probably surprise some of you listening that Jackson State leads the country in total defense. But they do. Campbell's number 44. This is a great QB matchup here with Shadur Sanders for JSU and Haj Malik Williams for the Camels. I think people have kind of forgot about Haj Malik Williams. He can do it all. Run with the ball. Throw the ball. Buy time in the pocket. Two really good quarterbacks on display in this one. You have to think this, though, that if you're Campbell, you really want to lean on that running game, limit the possessions. It's hard for a Tigers offense to score when they're on the sideline drinking Gatorade, right? A shootout (laughs) favors Jackson State, and I think the Camels must avoid that type of football game. Listen, Mike Minter is one hell of a coach. If there's one guy who can prepare for a Deion Sanders, young son Shador Sanders-led team, it's this guy. I expect this Campbell defense to rise to the occasion and I do worry at the same time I trust Deion Sanders to have these guys humble coming into this game because in my opinion this is obviously the best team they've played all season but if they're not if they come into this game a little cocky 
Campbell's going to walk into that locker room at halftime with a lead, and things are going to start to get sweaty. This is my favorite game on the slate, all because Jackson State has not seen a team like Campbell, and Campbell wants to get lower and lower on this list. They, they hope for a better start. They're ranked number 24 in our top 25 list. I like Campbell here. I'm not going to lie, Kev. Look, it's a lot of people are going to probably pick Campbell in this because, like you mentioned, it is the best team that Jackson State will have played so far. But Campbell has got to be efficient in the red zone. They can't settle for field goals like they have had to do in a couple of football games. Last couple of weeks, they've put the ball in the end zone, though, and that's why they've been blowing people out. Number eight, Mercer is at number seven, Chattanooga. This is a SoCon showdown in the scenic city. Not only are these two squads right next to one another in our top 25 poll, but they sit right next to one another in the defensive rankings, too. The mocks bring in the nation's 10th best defense and the Bears' 11th best defense. A limb four is a breakaway type of runner for Chattanooga, and the Bears have a whole stable of backs who can get that job done. Difference will be QB play, and both are good. Preston Hutchinson for Chattanooga and Fred Payton for Mercer. Glad we got some time until the pick segment, Stone, because I really don't know what's going to happen here. I still need to think about it just a little bit. Hey, I don't have an answer as well, and I think that's the beauty of this slate. There are just some damn good matchups that need to put some popcorn in the microwave and then just sit on the couch and soak it all in. So you're going to hear, I had a conversation with Preston Hutchinson, the quarterback of the Chattanooga Mocs. I said, hey, is this Mercer game circled on your guys' schedule? Of course, he gave me the coach's talk answer, but we know it's no secret. This is the biggest game. This is their Super Bowl. They're teams that want to contend for a national championship. I think this one's going to come down to the quarterbacks, whether it's Preston Hutchinson or Fred Payton. Whoever plays a cleaner game and doesn't turn the ball over wins this game. Portland State is at number nine, Idaho. Stone, the measure of a good team is being able to put a big win in that rearview mirror and take care of your opponent the next week. Idaho should handle the Vikings, and I bet those people in the Kibbe Dome will have that place rocking. And look, it's going to be a great welcome home with that little brown stein, but that was last week, and football is all about what have you done for me lately, baby. And I do believe Idaho will do a few things to Portland State. Hey, you beat me to the punch. The first thing I was going to say was, boy, is this dome going to be electric? And it doesn't matter who they play. It doesn't have to be Portland State. It could be anybody. This team's riding really high right now. And yeah, this technically would be a letdown spot. Portland State only put up seven against Weber State. And I think this Idaho team is capable of offensive outbursts like we've seen from Weber State. They've done it all season long. They've contended with some of these bigger schools. Just take care of business here, Idaho. Nothing more to it. Number 11, Holy Cross, is at Lafayette. Man, the Crusaders, they've just been whipping inferior opponents this season, and the Patriot League does have a few of those, right? Lafayette has a decent defense, number 37 nationally, but Holy Cross has a really good offense. They're 11th in the country at that, and Matthew Saluka doesn't make many mistakes. I think the Leopards must get turnovers and turn those into touchdowns to hang around here. I don't like their chances. I don't like their chances either, and I think there's a few ways if you want to make it interesting. You talked about turnovers. You talked about even scoring off of those turnovers. It's going to take a lot of weird things. Holy Cross feels like they've been disrespected, even though we, you know, a lot of teams have, or a lot of media has them in their top 25 list all over the place. You know, their ranking bounces around week to week. This team feels disrespected. They're constantly playing with a chip on their shoulder. You know, I say it time and time again, take care of business. This is 100% a business-like game Saturday for Holy Cross. Number 12, William & Mary is at Towson. The Tribe are coming off a bye week following that emotional victory over Delaware. Now they must go on the road and face Towson. Tribe QB Darius Wilson and running backs Bronson Yoder and Donovan Lester behind a really good offensive line should be plenty against the Tigers in Baltimore. Yeah, I'm not much of a recency bias guy. A lot of the times I will go back and talk about scores and recent stats from past weeks. But this one, I'm going to buy into. William & Mary beating this Delaware team two weeks ago, 27-21, is a big deal. They played so sound and they beat Delaware straight up. So I don't worry about what they're going to do against the Towson team. I trust these guys. They had an extra week of rest. I'm going to throw it out again, Kev. Take care of business, Tribe. Number 13, Samford is at East Tennessee State. It's weird to say 
that Samford's defense has really helped them, and they're much improved when they come in with the 73rd best defense in FCS football. But that is so much of an improvement of what they usually are that it just looks like they're a top 10 group. The offense is way down, but the defense has been so much better that Sanford finds themselves right number 13 in the country. ETSU is going to SOCON someone this year, and that has become a verb. That's when somebody who isn't very good in that league beats somebody who is, and if you're the rest of the SOCON, you just have to hope that East Tennessee State doesn't wind up doing it to you. There's a lot of good players on that football team, uh, and if Sanford has been doing it with smoke and mirrors and a little bit of luck, that kind of thing don't play real well in Johnson City in front of that crowd at Green Stadium. Yeah, ETSU's boys have been icing their legs. They've been in the trainer, the training room for the past week. I know these guys are banged up, finishing a track race with Mercer that they actually ended up losing. This defense probably put a lot of bad things on tape. As a coach for Sanford, if you're watching that Mercer ECU, ETSU tape, you're probably finding out a lot of things about this ETSU defense. They're going to key on them, and they're going to win this game. I feel bad for ETSU. The schedule's been tough. They've had some tough losses. I think they take another one here. We got two games in a row here that are really pretty much clunkers, right? Morgan State at number 14, Delaware, and Faulkner at number 15, Incarnate Word. You know, and I think we all know what's going to happen in those two ball games, and we're kind of running short of time. Stone, what do you say we just move ahead and talk about some better ones? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, all right. Number 16, SEMO is at Northwestern State. Quick question for everybody listening. Who's in first place in the Southland Conference? It's not Incarnate Word. It's Northwestern State at 3-0 and in that league. SEMO's tied with UT Martin for the top spot in the OVC. Red Hawks will lean on Geno Hess and quarterback Paxton DeLaurent. They can really move the ball. And the Demons defense has been playing better since I saw them at Montana. But I don't think they can get Hess and company off the field, Stone. Kev, I don't know why we didn't lump this one into the two games prior that we skipped. SEMO's going to get a victory here. I don't think they struggled doing it. They will lean on Hess. I'm sure he'll surpass that 100-yard mark. He's no stranger to doing that. I think it's a game we could have skipped because, boy, Seema's going to get it done. Number 17, Southern Illinois is at South Dakota. Stone, your Salukis team is hotter than fish grease right now, aren't they? That slow starts in the rearview mirror, and it seems like it was a long time ago. We knew they'd be able to score. Nick Baker has been a st- extremely efficient lately. The question was the defense. That group has really come together and is now a top 30 unit nationally. South Dakota's played everybody hard and everybody tough. They kind of remind me of ETSU. They're going to put it together one week. You just hope it isn't against you. It's not going to be. It ain't going to be, Kev. Don't put it out in the open. We're not manifesting that. This team has been reborn. I think it's helped them that they lost to Incarnate Ward in the fashion that they did, that they lost to SEMO in the fashion that they did. This defense is flying around. They're one of the most de- aggressive secondaries, one of the most aggressive linebacking core and defensive fronts in all of the MVC. And I think, to be honest, all of the FCS, we know they can score. They're going to keep scoring. Javon Williams, the running back slash wide receiver slash quarterback, leads Every single player in the FCS in touchdowns when it comes to his career is going to keep finding the end zone. The Yotes aren't going to be able to stop him. They're not going to be able to stop Avante Cox. I like Southern Illinois' chances moving forward. It's going to be really tough to beat them. Number 18, Richmond is at Hampton. Richmond won a game last week in unspider-like fashion. They won it with defense and special teams over Villanova, who is pretty good. I think that said something about Richmond. They don't just have to go out and lay 38, 42 points on you. They can win in a lot of ways. Yeah, let's talk about those run game numbers. They lit it up, and Gudinski could have not even played. They still would have won that game. Villanova is a good football team. That's no secret. People who watch the FCS and follow it know that. So to win a gritty game, 20-10, to 10, honestly, that gives me confidence if I'm any coach on this staff to know your guys are willing to get it done no matter how ugly it is. I like this Richmond team. I think they can hang around with anybody. They're sleepers. It's time for us to take a quick timeout. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. We'll be right back. 
Hi there, this is Flash from Bikers Against Bullies USA. We are a not-for-profit group created by bikers, but not limited to bikers. We are committed to creating awareness and educating both kids and adults on the benefits of living in a society of respect for each other combined with self-empowerment. Bikers Against Bullies USA was started in Missoula, Montana. The very real fact is that kids are kids, and they're dying by their own hands each week due to the insidious nature of the psychological and emotional trauma created by today's bullying attempts. Our personal philosophy is that one dead child is one too many. I personally ask you to stand up, support us, and by doing so, you're making a difference. We cannot change things without you, your support, and I thank you in advance. You can get a hold of us at BikersAgainstBulliesUSA.com or Facebook, Bikers Against Bullies USA. the call of the wild October is hunting season the best time of the year for so many of us and renewal by Anderson's it's hunting season sale means the hunt is over for the perfect windows and doors at an incredible value great hunters are safe smart prepared they've scouted the best spots they always clearly identify that target before they squeeze the trigger and the time is now to squeeze the trigger on awesome new windows and doors from renewal by Anderson simply the best you can get listen to this in October renewal by Anderson is offering 20% off every window and door plus an additional five $500 off the entire project if purchased during the initial consultation. Plus, no money down, no interest, no payments for 12 whole months. You heard that right. Enjoy your awesome new windows and doors for an entire year before you make your first payment. The hunt is over, but act fast. This sale ends October 31st. Just 31 days to save. It will be over before you know it. Save big bucks, lots of dough without the bull. Visit rbamontana.com to set up your in-home consultation. Happy hunting, everyone. I'm DJ Coulter from Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to American Family Insurance. I understand that choosing the proper insurance protection can be overwhelming. That's why it's so important to find someone you can rely on for trusted advice. As your American Family Insurance agent, I'll work hard to earn your trust, and I look forward to helping you find the right insurance solutions for years to come. Area code 701-235-6641. Or better than that, drop by and see DJ at American Family Insurance at 4215 31st Avenue South, Suite B in Fargo, North Dakota. DJCoulter.com. Tory Pines Pub in Las Vegas, Nevada. Whether you're looking for a cold drink on a hot day or a place to try out that hot hand when you're feeling lucky, Tory Pines Pub has what you're looking for. Tory Pines Pub caters to sports fans and hosts Montana Grizzlies games every football season. Not only are you going to find the Grizz on TV, but if you ask them, they'll put on whatever FCS game you want. So when you're in Las Vegas, make your way to the corner of Tory Pines and Lake Mead Boulevard to the Tory Pines Pub and tell them FCS Nation sent you. ToryPinesPub.com you're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. I'm your host, Stone Lebanowitz of the Stone Cold Quarterback segment. Each and every week, I go around FCS Nation looking for the top performers of the week. And boy, this one wasn't hard. Headman, signal caller of the Chattanooga Mocs, Preston Hutchinson Sr. Preston, what's going on today, brother? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, you guys got a big matchup this Saturday. In the home, on the home stadium, on the home turf, you guys are taking on number eight, Mercer. You guys sit at number seven. You guys are five and one, three and oh in SoCon, looking to make it four and oh. But as far as Mercer goes, what do they do well? What have you been a little scared of watching some tape this week? Uh, not scared of much, but they do, <laughs> they do, they do everything well. Um, I know, I know they have an explosive offense that does a bunch of shifts and motions, and then defensively, um, they, you know, they just get to their spots. They get to their zones. They're coached well. Um, they're good up front. They're really good everywhere. Um, it will be a really good game, really fun to play. As far as games remaining on the schedule, Mercer being one of them, is this the one you have circled? And I don't want the coach's talk answer. I don't want you to say, you know, every single game we have coming up is the one of most, utmost importance. But it's Mercer, it's Furman, the Citadel, Sanford, and Western Carolina. But is Mercer the one you guys have circled? Like, do you know this one has some extra oomph to it? Yeah, I mean, it really is just week by week. Um, like, last week was VMI, who who isn't having the best season. But they've, they've come in and 
um, and got the best of us the last two to three years. So it really is just game by game. But now that now that this one's here, yeah, this this is a huge one for us, and we can't we can't wait for the challenge. I love it. Hey, I try to avoid the coaches talk because the question that I had up yeah, had had well, listen, the question that I had lined up for you next was was more so up that alley. But I appreciate it. You know, what's been a mantra, you know, from Rusty Wright, your guys' head coach, that he's been pushing from the start of fall camp to right now? Like, what do you guys hear so much so that you don't even know he said it? It's just like your guys' message that you guys have been rocking with from day one. Yeah, I, I hate to say the same exact thing, but it's just like, it's just don't look forward. Um, we've been picked to win the conference um, from what I've heard the last four years, and I don't think we've won it at any of those four years so it's just it's just we know we have the players we know we have the right coaches we just have to go out and not get complacent on a day-to-day basis just go want to know each rep go want to know each day want to know each game and then it will just translate to a overall great record and um, hopefully we can get the conference under our belt when it's all said and done following that tactic spoken like a true senior, someone who's been around the block. Preston Hutchinson here joining the Stone Cold Quarterback segment on FCS Nation. Preston, I appreciate you. Hey, I got a question, man. You've had an awesome, awesome season. 1,317 yards through the air, eight touchdowns. But I got to ask about Joe Pizzo. I played quarterback myself, and I know how important it is to have a relationship with your offensive coordinator. But I think for Mock Nation that you know that's going to be listening to this, Tennessee is is a big deal. They follow FCS Nation. What's your relationship like with Joe Pizzo and your quarterback coach and the rest of this staff? Yeah, Coach Coach Pizzo's offensive coordinator and my quarterback coach. So got a all in one, and we have a great relationship since I hit the portal, and uh, we start we started watching a little film actually when I was in the portal before I even made my decision to come here, and since then, um, you know, we we've just hit it off. We do a great job communicating during the games, before the games, after the games about what we're seeing. We make each other better. So, so yeah, Coach Pizzo has been great, and uh, hopefully he can say the same about me. <laughs> I, I, I would hope so as well. You just touched on it. You said you hit the portal, and, and I wanted it to, to hit on that with you. I think it's one of my favorite things to ask quarterbacks who have come in from a different school, who have been in the portal and understand what that process is like. You know, you check social media – you check guys who have been around the block and have been covering college football for some time now. There's kind of two sides of the fence to stand on. One being this is the wild, wild west. This isn't loyalty. This isn't what guys are supposed to do, right? They're supposed to stick it out and earn their way. And then there's the other side of the fence of guys like me who understand, hey, sometimes when it's time to go, it's time to go. Sometimes things get political. Sometimes injuries cause you to not be able to fight back into the lineup. I know what it feels like. My question, you know, what is the benefit to you of being a transfer and coming in and leading a brand new team in a brand new state? Yeah, I, it's a loaded question because there's so many ways I can mm. take that. You know, I, I started off um, kind of with that mindset that, like, you know, you should wait your turn. You should be patient. Um, and, and that's what I did for five years. And, but at the end of the day, I, I decided it was, it was better for me to start a new chapter at a new school. And I'd say what the benefits of that just, um, you know, I – I've been through it. I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of different defenses and coverages and uh, been through all the morning workouts and, you know, just my ability to, to, to uh, I don't know, lead these guys and show them what I've already been through. Um, it's just a huge benefit that I'm able to do that with these guys. You know, so a lot of people. Right, right, 100%. So a lot of people will kind of throw out these claims that, they, that they're pissed off that kids are going into the portal that they don't think they should. Take, a little, take us through kind of what that process is like. Take a peek behind the curtains, what it was like going through the portal. What coaches did you hear from first as far as the coaches on your Chattanooga staff now? Like, Just kind of go through step-by-step step what that was like and how it was ending up from Eastern Michigan all the way to Chattanooga. Right, so um, my everyone's portal experience is different. Mine was actually uh, really rushed and kind of out of whack because, you know, I had one year left. So I had to, being a quarterback with one year left, I had to get to a new school before that semester started. So I was eligible for spring ball, um, you know, learning a whole new offense with only one season left. You don't want to come in during camp and have to do all that. And, and, you know, you also got to win the teammates over and, 
Right. Um, it's a lot of time that goes into it. it whether whether you're the best quarterback in the portal or not, um, you you want to get there and uh, get all the mistakes out of the way, get the new offense in your belt. So, uh, played in a bowl game versus Liberty um, at the end of December. The next day, had to go tell my coaches at Eastern that I, that I was leaving. Um, so that that was. That was, you know, that was hard. I spent five years with those guys, have good, really good relationships with them, um, play, played a lot of football for them, won some games for them. Um, so going and, and physically looking them in the eye and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, go, I'm trying to go play for a new coaching staff and get to a new school. You know, that, that was tougher than, than I thought it would be. Preston, what do you expect Finley Stadium to be like on Saturday? I hope it's jumping, uh, white out. Um, I, I hope it looks like a miniature little Penn State out there. <laughs> I love that. that. <laughs> Preston, thank you so much for your time. I cannot wait to watch this Mercer game. You guys are looking for 6-1, and 4-0 in the SoCon. I hope you guys keep it rolling. Number seven on our FCS Nation Top 25 list right now. Preston, good luck this weekend and appreciate you for your time again. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for my favorite time of the week, the pick segment, where Stone Lebanowitz and I go head-to-head and pick the biggest games taking place this week in FCS. Stone, I got an email from a listener who wanted to know if we discuss our picks before we make them. And the answer to that is no, right? Kev. We do not talk at all about our picks. So whoever sent that email, we appreciate you for a major compliment. I honestly ask Kev, hey, like, did you have that score written down before? Because when we call them out, they are awfully close each and every week. And oftentimes we do get pretty darn close to how these games finish. And look, I don't mind being the heel, right? You know, but uh, one of these weeks I'm just going to have to. I'm not going to tell you when it's going to be, though, but you'll be able to probably figure that out pretty easily. (laughs) Oh, I know Uh, what you're talking about. All right. Number one, South Dakota State is at number 19, North Dakota. Easy money. Go get it done, Jackrabbits. I got them winning this game 42 to 14. Fighting Hawks coming off a bye with the number one team in the country coming into their building. And look, it's uh, going to be tough sledding for them. I mentioned it before. A lot of people think that South Dakota State circles that NDSU game above all other games. But like I said, this is a different South Dakota State team. Take the Jackrabbits on the road over North Dakota, 28-13. Number 10, Montana is at number 2, Sacramento State. You hear that? That's a bunch of hornets buzzing around just like this defense is going to do, just like this offense does each and every week. The Grizz going down 35-21 in a sloppy game. Calling it now, Kev. This is going to be a game that we remember for a long time. The Grizz, with a victory, can get right back to where they were in the poll with a win. The Hornets have become machine-like in their execution, especially on offense. A close, hard-fought game here. But take Sac State at home over Montana, 27-20. Number three. No, you didn't, Kev. I no, did. You did not. Well, well, I'm going to be in Charleston, so I won't have to hear from my Grizz fans for at least a couple of days. <laughs> wow. Number three, Weaver State is at number five, Montana State. This game's going to be really close. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I trust this Weaver State team. They look serious. They look like they cannot wait for the playoffs to start. 28 27, Weaver State. Second of the pair of huge games in the big sky. This is a true pick'em type of game, Stone. I like Weber State's defense more than the Bobcats' defense, and the Wildcats don't let being on the road phase them one bit. Take Weber State on the road in Bozeman, twenty to seventeen. Ooh, you hear that? That's all your Montana people, Kev. What are you doing? I know I have to live here. Number twenty-four, oh Campbell, God. is at number six, Jackson State. God, this game! I cannot wait to watch. It's definitely going to be the first one that I tune into. I do think Jackson State squeezes out of there 35-30. Man, I wish I could be in Jackson, Mississippi for this one. Campbell can match what JSU can do offensively, and I think both defenses will play well. Many are predicting a shootout. Not me, but I think Jackson State will win by a few at home, 28-24. Number eight, Mercer is at number seven, Chattanooga. God, I keep calling these games last possession games. I'm bound to get a few right. Fred Payton squeaks this one out with a late touchdown. I'm calling it 21-20. I, 
I agree with you on this one. Great matchup here. Both defenses are stout and don't give up much on the ground, and the pass D is solid. Mercer can do more in the passing game and has the better specialty teams. That's a problem for Chattanooga. So give me Mercer based on the better passing game and better specialty teams. Take the Bears on the road over Chattanooga, 28-27. Portland State is at number nine, Idaho. That's what I'm going to be doing for this one, Kev. The Vandals get it done 49-7. Vandals can't afford a letdown, and I don't believe there will be one. Idaho starts fast and never lets up. Vandals win at the Kibbe Dome 35-13. Number 11, Holy Cross is at Lafayette. Holy Cross is going to lose at some point, but it ain't going to be this week. Give me those Crusaders 28-17. Too much offense for Lafayette to handle in this one. The Satyrs will cruise here to set up that huge game against Fordham. Holy Cross wins on the road, 38-10. Number 12, William & Mary is at Towson. William & Mary, the tribe, they're going to dominate these Towson Tigers, 40-14. I'm calling that score exactly. I'm going to pin that one, Kev. I mean, Lou Holtz said it best. When you play William and Mary, the problem is you got to play both of them. Well, you know what? That's true this year. But CAA road games are always going to be tough. The Tribe will do what they do, run the ball and get after them on defense. Tribe win on the road at Towson, 31-17. Number 13, Samford is at East Tennessee State. Another hard-fought but close loss for ETSU. Sanford's going to win this one by a touchdown, 35-28. I agree with the outcome, but this will be a close game, like you said. Sanford has had some things go their way so far this season, and ETSU has most definitely not. Those things have a tendency to even out, but I don't think it'll be enough for the Buccaneers, though. Take Sanford in Johnson City over ETSU, 31-27. Morgan State is at number 14, Delaware. Another one I'm probably most likely going to be snoozing through. They win this one easily, 42-14. This is a great spot for a game like this for Delaware, though, after coming off what happened to them against William & Mary a couple weeks ago. And the Blue Hens will roll, 38-13. Faulkner is at number 15, Incarnate Word. Lindsey Scott Jr. will not finish this game, and therefore I, that's why I'm not picking them to score any higher than 52. They're going to win this one easily, 52-10. The word this week, especially for Faulkner, is pain. Incarnate word, 58-3. to three. Number 16, SEMO is at Northwestern State. Give me the Red Hawks, 35-20. to 20. Yes, the Demons are 3-0 and in the Southland Conference. They're also the textbook definition of a paper tiger, and they won't be in this one. Take SEMO on the road over Northwestern State, 42-21. Number 17, Southern Illinois is at South Dakota. They're riding high right now. I think they stumble out the gates with just how their season's been going. These guys can't keep playing and scoring this many points, so the scoreline's going to be a little lower. They're still going to win this game 28-21. Man, but the Yotes have had it tough. But the Salukis, like you said, different football team than they were just a month ago. Take the Salukis over South Dakota on the road in Vermilion in a close game, like you said, 27-24. Number 18, Richmond is at Hampton. Richmond, the Spiders. They get it done 38-10 to 10 over the Hampton Pirates. We talked about it last segment or just a couple segments ago. Richmond can win with defense and run the football and specialty teams. Offense will get clicking this week. Take the Spiders on the road 34-17. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is produced by Mr. Justin Swallows, co-hosted by Mr. Stone Labanowitz, the marketing director is Ms. Stacy Marshall. I'm Kevin Marshall. Thank you for listening to FCS Nation. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.